everyone, and welcome to Minute 42 of Movie Rob Minute, the daily podcast, where we take a wild trip to the 1987 John Hughes comedy, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me once again today is Richard Kirkham of Kirkham Movie A Day and the host of the Lambcast. Welcome back to the show, Richard. Great to be back here with you, Rob, and hope all of your listeners are happy to have me back. Well, you heard the applause yesterday at the end of the at the end of the minute. So everyone wants thunderous. you back. That's true. <laughs> even even the, the the two lovers were were were, were cheering for your research. So that that's good. <laughs> so better than a movie. Nah, that's right. <laughs> so episode forty two begins with Dell clapping along and ends with Dell saying, "Do you ever watch?" And then he gets cut off. So yesterday. We had the uncomfortable for Neil and the very happy and funny minute for Dell, who enjoyed enjoyed himself a lot much more than than Neil did. That's for sure. So at the end of yesterday's minute, we started hearing everyone singing on the, or the, the end of a song on the bus. And the thing that that strikes me is you see that Dell is really he's the life of a party. He's the one who's you know they're they're on this this bus. I don't remember the distance between Jefferson City and St. Louis, so maybe it's a two, three-hour bus ride, something like that. But he's taken it upon himself to entertain everybody, and he does a great job of it. You know, most time when when I'm on public transportation, I don't want to have anything to do with anyone who's around there. You know, I just want to, you know, I'll either be on my laptop or I'll be listening, or back in the days I used to listen to my Walkman or you know, or, or listening to, to a podcast or something like that. But, you know, I'm not going to start getting into uh, singing songs with everyone on the bus. You know, even if I was on this bus and Dell was singing, I don't think I would join along. I would, I would stay as far away from that as possible. Now, I just did a quick check, and it is a two-hour bus, uh, two-hour drive from Jefferson City to St. Louis. So I guess that was a good guess. <laughs> I, guessed, <laughs> I guessed well. <laughs> With with that one, but but it's really interesting because it says a lot about Dell's personality that he can sit on a bus and just entertain people and and do what whatever is possible. And so you know they they end the song that they were singing, which was a Thanksgiving song. It sounded like, and Dell says out loud, "That was fun." Hey Neil, and then Dell screams out, "All right, who knows a tune here? Who wants to sing a tune? Who's got a song?" And Neil wanting to try and be a part of things that are going on. He wants to fit in, I guess. So he, he volunteers. And his choice of a song is Three Coins Three in a coins Fountain. Three Coins in a Fountain. <laughs> I mean, it, it's great because, like, you know, Neil goes, I got one. And then so Dell cheers him on and says, you got one. Neil Page has got one. And then he starts singing. There's dead silence on the bus. Because he starts singing the song Three Coins in the Fountain. You know, three coins in the fountain, each one seeking. And then he, he goes, you know this? <laughs> seeking happiness. And he goes, three, thrown by three hopeful lovers. I'm not a singer, so but, you know, I'm, not, I'm not even trying. <laughs> I'm just reading the, the lyrics. <laughs> I can't believe they don't. And, I mean, it, it starts off where, where Neil is trying to be a part of things. And then he realizes that no one is going along with him. And Dell basically saves the day. But before we get to talking about how he saves the day, right? But 
while he's singing, the reactions of the people on the bus is just hilarious. You, you, we get a shot of the the aisle, and then you have I think about ten people all turn their heads back at the exact same time in unison, looking at Neil, trying to figure out what the hell he's doing. What the why hell? Is he, <laughs> why are you singing Three Coins in a Fountain? You know. Who knows this song? <laughs> Who's going to sing along with it? It's not a cheery song. It's not something that you're going to have people that. And, you know, Neil notices this and, and you see a look of embarrassment on his face, but he still continues to do, to do it. And I, I guess that it, in some ways it maybe is trying to show the class difference here. Oh, you I'm know, sure that that's what it's about. Yeah. That, you know, Neil's an old school guy. And Three Coins in the Fountains from a movie. It was a very popular song in the 50s. Frank Sinatra sang it uh, originally, and then there were other versions of it. And, yeah, uh, there were a lot of versions of it. Yeah. You know, it, it was it was a best-selling song. I think it won the Academy Award for yes, Best it Song did. that year. It won Best Original and, Song in 1955. Do, do you know what for what movie? Uh, wasn't it Three Coins in a Fountain? <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> I was... I was Trying to make sure you're you're keep, to keep you on your toes, Richard. <laughs> yeah, trying to keep me on my toes, and you did a good job there. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, it, and it was it was a popular song, but it's not the kind of thing that is made for a sing along. It's 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 old fashioned, like you said. It's a little slow. It's a melancholy lover's lament, as opposed to something chipper and upbeat which is what you want if if you're doing a sing-along right row 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 your boat you know that (laughs) exactly not three coins in a fountain so so you you, as you mentioned it was a popular song in the 50s it won the the oscar for best original song in 1955 it was written by jules stein and the the lyrics were written by sammy khan and it was written for the movie three coins in a fountain and they, it refers to the act of throwing a coin into the uh, Trevi Fountain in Rome, where apparently when you make a wish, you'll, you, your wish will come true. And throughout the course of the movie, there are three main characters that actually perform this act of throwing the, the coin into the fountain. Now, part of the problem was is that they were asked to write this song, but they were not allowed to either see the film or read the script beforehand. So they had to just, you know, wing it. And it took them an hour to, to make this song. And they got Frank Sinatra to sing it the, the following day. And because it was, in a, in a, it was produced in a rush, 20th Century Fox actually forgot to sign a contract with the composers. And afterwards, they were able to claim the complete rights over any royalties. So th- there's there's a lot of new a lot of versions of the song afterwards from it was sung by the Four Aces, it was sung by the it was sung by Sinatra that was, he he actually topped the the charts for for a number of weeks that year. There was a recording by Dinah Shore in 1954. There was a recording by EMI, who I don't know who that is. Do you know who EMI is? I do not. I have no idea. EMI isn't that? That sounds like it's a company. I don't know. It says the research I did. It says, and it was recorded by EMI on on the His Master's Voice label. So I don't know who actually sung it. Okay, it was sung by Harry James, Vince 
uh, Giraldi. It was done by Steve Smith did it in the, the 60s. Sergio Franchi sang it in the title. It was used for a pilot for an unsold TV show in, in 1970. And then it was recorded in 1990 again by Jack Jones. And that was used in a movie called Coins in the Fountain. And there's a TV show called The Goon Show, which parodied it. And they they, they called it uh, Three Goons in the Fountain. Which one will, will the fountain drown? So, <laughs> yeah. So that, that's what I have for that, for that song. And Dell then comes to his aid and... and Start singing a very popular tune, and he starts saying, Flintstones, meet the Flintstones. They're the modern Stone Age family from the town of Bedrock. They're a out of history. When and then they cut out with all of the, the Flintstones. Have a yabba dabba do time, a dabba do time. You'll have a gay old time. And then Dell screams, Wilma. <laughs> So, uh, first of all, it's it's I I think it's I don't know if chivalrous, chivalrous is the right term here, but I you know Dell decides to to help Neil out here. You know Neil is drowning, <laughs> and he throws him a lifesaver, and everyone on the bus starts singing along with them when they're singing the Flintstone song. And I mean, you see on Neil's face that that he's a little bit pissed off. That no one really liked his song, but that they're they're liking Dell's song. But there there isn't much that you can really do about that. Now, what do you know about the theme song for the Flintstones? You know, I didn't look up the theme song from the Flintstones specifically. I thought immediately of other theme songs that could have been used that the uh, people on the bus would know to sing. So I, I came up with a list of those kinds of things. So Ooh. I don't really know. Who wrote the, the theme from the Flintstones? Okay. So the, the theme song of the Flintstones was written in 1961 by Hoyt Curtin, along with uh, Joseph Barbera and, and William Hanna. And it is apparently one of the most popular and best known of all theme songs because it's such a catchy tune. During the, the Flintstones TV show run. So the first two seasons didn't have this as their theme song. They had a song called Rise and Shine, which was just an instrumental underscore that would accompany Fred as he was driving home from work. But unfortunately, this this underscore was too close to the theme song from the Bugs Bunny TV show. And they decided to change it in the third season because they, they said that the, the songs sound a little too similar. Okay, it was released. So in 1961, they released an album that had both of those songs on it. It had the the Meet the Flintstones was the A side and Rise and Shine was actually on the B side. Okay, now the original song has references to Barney and Betty and Dino. And apparently it's known as a it was it was recorded in apparently it was recorded in e flat major okay which has become which is known as a jazz standard now i don't know anything about music are you a music person richard no no certainly not that deep right no me neither so but it it apparently conforms to a structure known as rhythm changes which is a well-known kind of jazz competition composition 
and it is often played to amuse audiences as part of a medley, which is known as jazz humor. Okay, now some people refer to this as campy or cheek by jowl music, but because it has an exhilarating paste, it's actually technically challenging for some people to to reach the levels in jazz of playing this type of song. So, I mean, I found the, the original lyrics of the whole song. So I'm, I'm just going to read it. I'm not going to try to, to, I'm not going to make everyone suffer by having me actually try and sing the rest of it, but we'll, we'll, we'll try. So it's Flintstones, meet the Flintstones. They're the modern Stone Age family. Hello, Fred and Wilma. See, I, I just go right into the song. I didn't even try. So I'll try to sing it. How's that? Flintstones, meet the Flintstones. They're the modern Stone Age family. Hello, Fred and Wilma. They're a couple just like you and me. Dino is our little dinosaur. He's good, but nobody knows what for. When you meet the Flintstones, have a yabba-dabba-doo time, a dabba-doo time. You'll have a gay old time. And then the rest of it is... Rubbles, meet the Rubbles, they're the other Stone Age family. Barney and his Betty, they're as neighborly as they can be. Barney, I'm Fred's bosom buddy friend, as long as he has a buck to lend. When you're with the Rubbles, have a scuba dooba doo time, a dooba doo time, you'll have a gay old time. So I found it interesting. Sorry, I, once again, I apologize to everybody for, for my lack of... Okay of singing ability, but it was still fun to sing it. It's perfect for this kind of song. Don't worry about Apparently. it. <laughs> well, I need Dell and the rest of the bus to sing along with me, but I find it really interesting that the, the original lyrics talk about, you know, the rubble, that they have the, the rubbles aspect of it. You know, the whole idea that, that Barney and Fred are, are great friends as long as, you know, he's available to lend, he's available to lend him money. I, I suspect that those additional lyrics were for the uh, single release on the recording because they were never used in the TV show. No, they never were. They never were. Yeah. So, you know, when, you, when you've when you got a popular theme song, you say, oh, well, let's make a record of it. Somebody says, well, we got it. You can't have a 40-second song. Nobody's going to buy that. So you, we got to make it longer. My guess is that they, you know, expanded the lyrics and based it on the show and yeah. made it work the best they could. No, I, th I, 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 I think I think these were the original since 1961, and I've never heard those lyrics. Well, no, neither have I. I, I you know, thankfully, thankfully, you have the internet where you can find these type of things. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, from what I understand, these are the original lyrics that they actually cut down to just have the the what we know now. I don't think it was expanded. I think that, but you never know. Don't really know. So, Richard, you wanted to tell us some other theme songs that you think might have been might have might have helped them pass the time during their two hour drive from or bus oh, yeah. ride from well, Jefferson City to St. Louis. So what else? What would you say? Well, the, the first one that jumps up, of course, is uh, Gilligan's Island. That would have been one that everybody would have known. Yes. And they could have sung along with. And uh, it's up tempo and fun. And it's the kind of thing that you could say, OK, people on a bus, they're going to know the lyrics of this because they those reruns have been playing forever. Everybody's heard it a thousand times. That's true. And not not a problem to sing along. And even if you screw it up, nobody cares because it's just a silly theme song about, uh, you know, 
people getting stricken, on people getting, getting uh, shipwrecked and the rest, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, they they did see that's another one where they did change the lyrics. Yeah, well, that's you know, because you know they the wanted a couple of seasons that didn't have uh, Don Wells and Marianne mentioned, and they Russell, added them what later was, on. What was what was the professor's real name? Russell something. Her, she was Don Wells. Uh, yeah, Russell remember. Johnson. Russell Johnson, is the actor, right, right, yeah. right. So they wanted to give them a little so, more credit. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know, so I think everybody on the bus would have known that one too. Yeah, that's probably a, that's a good they choice. would have known the Brady Bunch song t- as well. Very true. That's a good. That's so, another good guess. Know, and that would probably be, you know, not exactly contemporary. That would have been ten years old at least uh, for people. But that's another one where. No, it, it wasn't was ten years old. Lots the, of people knew it. The Brady Bunch. And, the Brady Bunch ended its run on January eleventh, nineteen seventy four. The reason I know that is because that was the day I was born. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So, so yeah. So thirteen years. So it was more than more yeah. than a decade earlier. Yeah. But you know, same sort of thing. That show had been playing incessantly on reruns, yeah. and everybody knew the theme song. So it would have been something that would be easy for people to sing along with. Oh, wow. And the other one that probably would have worked really well because it, it includes something that doesn't require you to sing, but rather just snap your fingers would be the Adams family. Ah, there you go. That's a good one. Yeah. So, you know, if I, if I was, if I was on the bus and I was Neil and I had started with three coins in the fountain and saw no reaction, I probably would have gone to Gilligan's Island immediately. Yeah, fortunately, Dell stepped in with the Flintstones. Right. I I would add uh, Green Acres to that to to, to that list. Oh I think, yeah. I think that's another one that that might have worked. Most of those CBS shows like Green Acres, Gilligan's Island, uh, Beverly Hillbillies would have worked. Yeah, but well. that's true. There you go. There's another one, Beverly Hillbillies. Did Leave It to Beaver have have words or was it just a tune? No, it, there weren't any words. Right. No, so that's just a term too. I know it's not the same era. But uh, that was just came to mind. They could have all whistled the Andy Griffith theme. There you go. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> right. And at this point, we we get another exterior shot of the bus as it's entering St. Louis, and we still hear everyone singing the Flintstones as it moves along. And then we get a title card that says St. Louis, letting us know that we have reached St. Louis. And then we we see a bus terminal sign that says Trailways Bus Terminal. And there is no such thing as that. So another fake sign that they're using. And then we we start hearing a voiceover from Dell. And we hear Dell say some very interesting things. He says, how do you do, ma'am? My name is Dell Griffith. I'm with the American Light and Fixture Company Jewelry Division. And I've got the deal of a lifetime for you. Do you have a minute? And then he says, this is your Diane Sawyer autographed earring. Do you ever watch? And then he gets cut off. So, I mean, we get to see how good of a salesman Dell can be. You know, this is just the beginning of the sales pitch. You know, it, it's funny that he mentions that he's fr- that he changes the fact of, of which division he's working in. You know, he was in the uh, shower rings division. Now he's in the jewelry division. You know, he's able to say that. And it's great because we also Dell is talking straight to the camera, and as he's talking, we they switch the view and we get to see a, a woman who looks very much like she fits in with the eighties. You know, she she's got like frizzy hair and lots of makeup also and stuff like that, and she's just hair, staring yes. at yeah, and she's just staring at him completely dumbfounded as to not really understanding what it is that he's talking about. So now he mentions Diane Sawyer. What can you tell us about Diane Sawyer? 
Well, Diane Sawyer was a journalist who did appear on 60 Minutes. I think that he does does get in the 60 Minutes reference, but I'm not sure if it's in this minute. No, it's or if it rolls over to the next minute. 60 Minutes. We'll talk about 60 Minutes tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, we'll just talk about Diane. You know, you know Diane. She Sawyer. she she had, she had at one time been a. Uh, uh, um, uh, ghostwriter, speechwriter for uh, Nixon. That is correct. Very good, Richard. Before she, before she, you know, went into journalism. That and is, she was a very famous, you know, very successful, you know, one of those people that uh, maybe uh, uh, the character that uh, Jennifer Aniston plays on the Morning Show would be based on. You know, somebody who is a famous celebrity and. Uh, you know, moves to a weekly news type format, not a morning show format, though. I don't think she did a morning show. Diane yes, she did. Yes, she did. She was, did she? Yes. So she she had a very long career. She she was born in 1945. She as of recording, she is still with us and she should have many more years. Her real name is Lila Diane Sawyer. OK, she was. A, the anchor for ABC World News Tonight, Good Morning America 2020, primetime news magazine. She was, uh, she hosted CBS Morning. She was the first woman correspondent on 60 Minutes. As you mentioned, before she became a journalist, she was a member of Richard Nixon's White House staff, and she assisted in his post-presidency memoirs. Okay. She the, this is something that I never knew. She was suspected of being deep throat, the person who leaked classified information to Bob Woodward during the Watergate scandal. For years, people there were so many people that were convinced that she was the actual person who gave over all this information to, to Woodward and Bernstein. In 2005, it was it was known let known to everybody that W. Mark Felt was the actual deep throat. But before that was announced in 2005, so someone by the name of Rabbi Baruch Korf, who was a longtime Nixon confidant and a defender known as Nixon's rabbi, okay, he said on his deathbed that he believed that Sawyer was deep throat and was the person who gave over all the information to, to Woodward and Bernstein. <laughs> Apparently, Sawyer laughed that off, and she became one of six people who requested and actually received a public denial from Woodward. Well, that would make sense. As a journalist, you wouldn't want to be in that situation and you right. want to be cleared. That is true. That is very true. So she was married in 1988. She married uh, Mike Nichols, who was a famous you know, movie and theater movie director. director. Yeah, That's right. And they lived together till he passed away in 2014 when he was 83. So Forbes magazine actually has her listed as uh, among the the world's 100 most powerful women. And they report that between June 2005 and June 2008, she made approximately $12 million just from the entertainment income that she was bringing in. So I found that to be quite fascinating. So do you have anything else you want to say about this this minute, Richard? Uh, no, it's you know, like I said. There's, it's it's a fun little moment because we get the, the theme song and the, we don't really see everybody singing along. We just kind of hear them singing along, you know, uh, and that and that's fun. But uh, there there wasn't any surprising details in it. I, I, it's kind of got a little bit of overlap with that next minute that we'll be talking about tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. But but we did get the Flintstone song, so 
You know, that, that's yes. what made this, this song, this, that's sorry. That's what made this minute more interesting. So the script, there are, I guess you can sort of say a lot of differences between the script because none of this minute actually appears in the script. <laughs> this, I, I, it makes me wonder if it was just ad-libbed, if it was something that, that John Candy just threw in along the way, you know, the, the whole idea about the singing and stuff like that, because none of that is mentioned in the script. So I, I found that to be uh, quite fascinating that this is all, I mean, if you have a 150 page script and then you, this is not the first minute that we've come across that doesn't appear at all in the, in the script. So it makes you wonder how much they ad-libbed and just added along the way. I wonder if some of that excised footage includes those other theme songs. Ooh, you never know. Start digging. Maybe you'll find it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So every day we do a segment called Off the Beaten Track, where either myself or my guest give a little adventure or misadventure of something that happened to, to one of us along the way during the journey of life. So, Richard, do you have another one for us? I have one from my youth, you know. Uh... The year I graduated from high school, 1975, uh, I had a friend who, uh, I, I just met him. He was somebody that I'd kind of been in the scouts with a little bit. He had joined and he was graduating also. We weren't close friends, but we decided that we were going to go up and see another friend whose family had moved up to a farm community in central California. And uh, I didn't have a car at the time. Uh, so I rode with this guy in his truck and he had a truck that was, it wasn't one of those ones that's jacked up way high, but it had big tires on it. And so we're driving to Northern California on, uh, highway 99, which is not a freeway. It's just a, a state highway, uh, two lanes in each direction. And, uh, we're in the middle of cow pasture land and we got a flat tire on his truck. Oh, wow. In the middle of the night. And I ended up, we ended up having to sleep in the bed of the truck for several hours. The highway patrol finally came by and they called, uh, there was, there were no um, phones anywhere where we were. I mean, we were literally in the middle of nowhere in the middle of the night. It was, it was dark as you can imagine. We're on the side of the road. We slept in the bed of the truck. The highway patrol finally came along and they called um, a tow truck for us. They towed us to a gas station. We were outside of a town called uh, Delano, which is, you know, just a farm town, probably uh, 150 miles north of uh, Los Angeles, maybe not even that far. Uh, but there was nothing in the town. They did not have a tire that size. So we sat in the bed of the truck at the gas station for eight hours while we wow. waited for his sister to drive up with a tire that she had bought in the LA area for us to put on the truck before we make the rest of our trip. It was the most boring. This is, there's no newspaper. There's no book. There's no radio. There's no TV. We're sitting in the bed of a truck in a gas station in Godforsaken Delano, California. <laughs> and we were there for six or seven hours before we finally got going again. We did finally make it to our friend's uh, farm and had a nice couple of days there. But uh, that was an adventure, and uh, it was definitely off the beaten path. 
Completely. Now, his, his car didn't have a spare? No, it, it was one of the rear tires. It was a big tire. He had a spare for the front tires. Like did that, did you? <laughs> but yeah, it didn't do us any good. And like I said, and there was nothing in the area. They had to, you know, I don't know how they figured it out, but he, his sister drove up and brought us a tire. Wow. Okay. Well, that's a great story. Thank you very much for that. <laughs> Why don't you tell people once again how they can get in touch with you? Well, I'm uh, available on uh, uh, the LAM, which is the large association of movie blogs. Uh, I'm the host of the show there, the LAMcast. Uh, we're there weekly. And so you can uh, message me at the LAM or the LAMcast. Uh, also on my own site, Kirkham A Movie A Day. It's KirkhamAMovieAday.com. We'll get you to the uh, WordPress version of that site. Uh, the more involved site that includes links to all of the pages that I write is uh, at kirkhamclass.blogspot.com. And uh, I am on Twitter, although you, it's not something that I use all the time, and it's at richardk007. All right. Excellent. And while you're doing that, you can go rate, review, and subscribe on any podcast you might be using to listen to this show. And to find me is a very simple. Just do a quick search for Movie Rob Minute. And you can find our website. You can find our Twitter page or join our Facebook group. So, until tomorrow, you're fine. You're fine.